well now. Kevin Barker. Here we are back in studio uh, ahead of Mark Shapiro's 11 a.m. news conference today, a traditional year-of-end news conference. Every general manager in every sport has it. Uh, this one has a little bit of a... Um, has some different overtones, I guess is the way I would put it, after Ross Atkins, the general manager uh, of the Blue Jays, held a news conference on Saturday. And um, let's just say didn't go out of his way to share the responsibility for a decision in the second game of the Jays playoff series yeah. against Minnesota. Look, ultimately, ultimately, and we have to say this, ultimately the Jays lost that series because they, they couldn't hit just as they lost yeah. 90% of the games they lost this year because they couldn't hit. But of course the decision to pull Jose Barrios out uh, while he was one. dealing it was a big, no, it was a flashpoint. If the it Jays, was. if the Jays win that game, we're probably celebrating John Schneider for being, you know, for being ballsy and making a courageous move, but the Jays lost. And of course, given how they lost last year with uh, Kevin Gossman right. being taken out of the game early and the manager saying, Hey, if I could have a redo, I'd leave him in longer. Bunch of stuff going on is what, uh, is what we're saying. So today, Mark Shapiro will adjust the media at 11 o'clock. We will carry it live. Shai Davidi will join us from the Rogers Center following Mark Shapiro's news conference. Uh, Caleb Joseph joins us in a few minutes um, to deal with Kevin. What I think is the story right now uh, and to me remains a story given that we're kind of led to believe that today's announcement will not include, uh, may not include, we don't know for certain if there's going to be an announcement about anybody's job security. What I'm saying is until we know that, my concern the past couple of days has been, how does this resonate in the clubhouse? Uh, because, you know, yeah, there's going to be some turnover this year with this team, clearly. But Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., George Springer, almost the entire pitching staff, Danny Jansen, all these dudes are going to be back next year. You know, unless they're traded, but all mm -hmm. these dudes are going to be back next year. And I don't know right now if I was a Blue Jays player, hmm. I don't know who I'd believe. I don't know who I'd believe about anything because we were led to believe that there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen involved in that decision-making process. Ross Atkins said nothing was done differently than we've done it during the regular season. Players seemed surprised. Apparently, the players knew about it. I think Whit Merrifield yesterday on, on foul territory kind of said it wasn't communicated as smoothly as it might have been. Some guys knew, some guys didn't, which, quite frankly, doesn't come as a shock no. to me. Not from the players I've talked to. So I'm going to ask you right now, because until you know, Mark, Mark has to say something today about the situation, and he's got to address, he's got to smooth over whatever needs to be smoothing yeah, over, smooth, smoothed over. And maybe start building some bridges if those need if those need to be built. If you're a player, what do you want to hear from Mark Shapiro today? I know as a C, I know what season's ticket holders want to hear. I know that somebody who has a vested interest in this team doing well. I know what I want to hear. What do the players want to yeah, hear? Yeah, I think I've already heard what I need to hear. When Ross uh, spoke, however many days ago, I think I would not listen anymore. But that that's just me. I think I've heard exactly what I needed to hear. Now again, you're, he's only talking to a select few 
you know, there's only a couple of names in that locker room that actually matter. Fair, and fair even, point. And whatever, go out of their way to listen. Let's be honest. It's about money. And once you go away from your season, I was the same way. You, you could care less what the GM or the president or the, the manager said. You, you'd like to get away. You've heard from them enough. Like you'd want to get away. I'm sure after listening to him basically hand out John Snyder's phone number, I'm I'm saying I'm 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 guessing that you probably heard enough. You know what you need to know. Uh, you know what you know that other probably people that are involved or around this don't know. That's the guys that matter, right? That's the we all know those names. One place short, one place right, and you can sprinkle in sort of a couple of the other names. And yeah, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a thing anymore with the players. I don't think they're sitting at home going like we are. <laughs> Is he gonna? I, I, think, I don't think they care. Listen, like I, I really don't. I think it's a bigger thing for the fan base, um, and to a certain degree, the media. Because look, uh, I've always thought sort of the media's role in in being a conduit between fans and teams is it's overblown largely by people in the media. I mean, the fact of the matter is, with social media being what it is these days relatively easy for players to reach out directly to fans if they want. But um, insofar as, you know, Blue Jays season's ticket holders and fans are concerned, I, I think this is, I think this is, this has to be aimed at them first and foremost. I think you're right. I think with the players, you could probably address that situation one-on-one. -on -one. I guess if you wanted to, you can call up the players and say, look, this is where we're going. This is what happened. Da, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, I think um, I think the fans. I don't think they're going to be satisfied unless I, I, unless somebody gets fired. They're, the it, fans are talking absolutely. about absolutely. Like yeah. I don't I don't think there's any other way that Mark Shapiro can come on here other than firing Ross Atkins that will pease the fan base that is upset about this, and that's the only thing they want to hear. Right? Is is when it comes to this group. They've never heard a GM come up and say the things that he said. I yeah. mean, let's be honest. Like, with this group. So, when you're invested with this group and you haven't really paid attention to other groups and you hear your GM come up and talk the way that he talked, I, I think if I, if I were a fan of this team, probably that's the one thing that you'd want to hear is who's getting fired? Yeah. Who's paying for this? Yeah. Uh, let's bring in Caleb Joseph, Blue Jay Central Analyst. Former Blue Jays player, of course. Caleb, thanks for joining us today. How you doing, man? Hey, doing well. Doing well. How about you guys? Uh, trying to make sense of this. That's why we brought you on. That's why we brought you on because. Please, you guys are fired up, eh? Well, I mean, Bar really. Barker is. I've, I've, listen, I've been <laughs> down. I've been, I've been down this road before. Shoot, I've seen people fired and hired more than I, more than I care to to remember. Barker's fired up though. Love it. Uh, uh, how's this, Caleb, how, what do the players have to hear today? Uh, that's a great question. I, I think that they have the same, maybe not as intense, but the same sentiment that the fans have that just hasn't been enough and some stuff needs to change. We heard a number of different guys in their kind of postseason presser talk about change and you know you can you can look at it on one hand in that in the Ross Atkins March Pyro era they've made it to the playoffs three different times you can also look at it on the other hand that they haven't won a playoff game so it's if I heard the quote if, if you actually 
made it but didn't win a game, did you actually make it? Right. Uh, I thought that was actually really interesting. But from the player's perspective, I, I really feel like that their sentiment is that some stuff needs to change. And we heard Bo Bichette say, from top to bottom, we need to rethink how we kind of approach certain things. How and we make decisions. I'm, yeah. Yeah, how we make decisions. And I, I, I believe that that is – I believe that's the big – phrase there because as as a player I would be I'd be interested if I was upset with a number of different things going on with the organization I would I would believe in the group and I would believe that some change would bring a little bit better outcome what if they don't make change how, how do you think and this is not everybody like this is not the Barkers or the 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th, 26th guy on a baseball team. This is, we know the names. Like, this is the names that matter the most. If they're looking for change in this little press conference coming up and they don't get it, how do you think that affects the way they go in further into the offseason, into spring training, and maybe into the season? I, I just, I don't think anything would would be different. I think it would be the same philosophies, same guys, same everything, and they would get really close and probably be having this exact same conversation a year later. And for me, it's not necessarily the people. For me, it's it's philosophies. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think there needs to be a little bit of a take back in terms of philosophy. What, you've said it. You guys have said this on your show multiple times, whatever they're doing with the pitching, stay right there. Mm -hmm. That is it. That's working for me, the offensive strategy and how they game plan, how they initially receive the information, how they communicate that information, how they're setting up the entire offensive game plan, whether it's swing decisions, whether it's uh, being in, in leverage counts, whether it's, runs batted in, whatever. I think that they've got to change their philosophy. And I, I think you can call for a head or two on the offensive side. And if you don't change your philosophy, I'm not sure that a lot is going to, is, is going to be different. I think they're going to bring in another guy and start feeding the same information down, focusing on the same stuff. And you're going to see more of this, more of the same. I think they've got to really look, look, look hard and, and long at, their philosophy, what they preach, what they deem is important. Because how many times do we hear management come across and say, we're right on track, we love our projections, our guys are, mm-hmm. are doing well, and the offense just wasn't there? Yeah. Uh, well, okay, I, you've been in the locker room with John Snyder. John Snyder, you know, if everything is what we think it is, right, where, you know, sort of the conversation was you need to try and maybe go this way if you want to use you say – and then we heard the GM talk the way he talked in his presser. And then say nothing happens. And those two get in a room after this. How do you think, you know, John, you've been in a room with him. You've been, you know, on a baseball field with him during a baseball game. How do you think he'll react just to, you know, okay, I, I hear the information and I know who it's coming from. Are we on the same page? Like, how is that going to take place? And do you think they're capable as men, as grown men, all headed in the right direction to try and get a certain thing done? You think John's capable of doing that? I think John is because I believe in in who he is as a person. Do I think it would be incredibly difficult? Absolutely. I mean, 
I would think, and I have nothing but, but thoughts and opinions, I would think that fractured might be a, a good word to describe that scenario. Yeah. Uh, can it be put back together? Absolutely. But fractures hurt, and they take a while to heal, and they're painful. And I was, I was sending out the Spider-Man meme where one Spider-Man was pointing at one guy and the other Spider-Man, it's like a mirrored image. Both mm-hmm. Spider-Men were pointing at each other. Yeah. I was sending that to uh, many people after, after, after the comments, and I, I really could not believe that, uh, that that was actually happening. And if I was Schneider, I, I'd, be, I'd be pretty heated. I would be heated. And he has told me, I've heard him say, it's a nice quote, don't take my, my, um, my niceness for passivity. Um, this is a guy that can get after it, and he, uh, he he might look nice, he might have that big smile, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot of fire in the belly, and I would I would be pretty heated if I was if I was Schneider, understanding that, you know, the buck has to stop somewhere, and man, to just pretty much throw him right under the bus, under. the car, the wagon, the anything with four wheels, that was tough. Yep. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean that. That's that's really well said. Yeah, you know it, it's it's uh, if you're John Schneider, um, I, like I asked Kevin, how do you that first meeting in spring training? You know, what do you say? Uh, I know you can you know you could talk to players individually, but that first meeting, how are the players going to know that what you're saying is what the organization means? And I'm not saying that they're doubting John Schneider. I think most of the players would take John Schneider at his word, and that you know. I think sometimes we roll our eyes when we talk about things like communication, but I was thinking about this driving in today, thinking about what we saw happen this year with this organization. You know, we saw the Anthony Bass situation, and that was now admittedly, you know, Anthony Bass deserves more blame for the way that was handled than anybody else. But the fact is the communication wasn't great on that. Um, Alec Manoa, again, I understand there's probably legal reasons. There are probably labor reasons. There's a whole bunch of reasons that Ross Atkins can't come out and say, look, this is exactly why this happened. Da, 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 da. I get that. I, I, I absolutely get that. But there has to be, it's always a good thing to have a simple explanation when something happens, even if it's BS, right? It's, it's, it's always good to have that simple explanation for something to, to deflect attention away from it. And, and that's one thing Ross, Ross has not been that good at is, is deflecting stuff and, and you know, seizing a situation and making it simple and clarifying it for everybody. And again, I said, I, listen, I've done this business. I've been in this business long enough. I presume that 60% of the stuff I'm told is BS. I just do, especially when it's on the record. <laughs> And I'm okay with that. That's the way the game is played. But you got to make it simple. You know, you got to make it simple. And and because the more complicated it is, now I'm going, okay, 60%. Now we're 70% BS. Now we're 80% BS. Okay, you better stop because now we're getting into the 90% BS territory. And that's kind of how right. I view this. Yeah, you're, you're right. Think about the... Think about the Rays a couple of years ago. I think it was the 2020 season. And they pulled Blake Snell. And the whole world went berserko. Kevin Cash stood in front of that camera and basically said the same thing that John Schneider said. And that was it. Mm -hmm. It was short, simple. And I'm sure their general manager um, came on and had to answer questions. And that's that's how they played the game. And it didn't work. And it was over. And people have forgotten about that. Yeah. But 
the way that this situation was handled, I, I, my Twitter was blowing up in terms of the national coverage that it got. And that's when I knew, Oh no, this is, this is no good. When national writers are weighing in on it left and right. All you got to say is we've been playing the percentages. We loved the matchups and it didn't work out. We'll yeah. see you next year. Thanks. And people go, okay, like, okay, that's just, that's who they are. That's who they were. Maybe that's what got them to the playoffs. And we just got to hang with them. And more to but, the point, there's always the old throwaway line where, listen, uh, we need to be better. We're evaluating everything mm-hmm. top to bottom. Now, whether yeah. or not you do I, it, at, who knows? But I mean, at least tell people you're doing it. I thought Shai Davidi had a great line. He said, when the organization was falling apart, instead of pulling it back together, it became even further fractured. And I thought that was a really nice line to, because yes, you, you, okay, here, here's a, a moment in time where you can just, you can put a bandaid over it or you can put pour more salt in the wound. And I think that salt is really stinging the, the fan base of, of, of the entire country right now. Caleb, we appreciate yep. you joining us as always. Enjoy the offseason. I'm sure we'll be in touch. Hey, good job, buddy. You got it. Enjoy Have the fun. golf. Enjoy the golf. Oh, yeah, I'll be enjoying it just like uh, Mookie Betts and uh, the L.A. Dodgers <laughs> will here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, see you guys. See, see you later. Buddy. Take care. That is Caleb Joseph, Blue Jay Central Analyst. Yeah, we haven't even talked about the, the playoffs um, and what we saw from uh, I, I the was, Arizona Diamondbacks. I, I will say, you said this yesterday, how far away the lineup for the Jays is yep. with – the Rangers, the Astros, wow, and the Phillies is—it's not—they're not even on the same page. So to think that you know they could come into next season or the the spring training saying that you, we have a chance of winning a World Series, like I, they're closer, like they're because of their pitching and experience, and you would think a couple of guys that were everyday guys this year may be a little bit better next year offensively, but man, you look at those teams and the dudes that they have. Yeah, I mean, I, Jay's not even close. That's what I keep thinking of when I'm watching these games. Like, I, I, you know, watching Minnesota, yeah, but watching Texas, I'm going, holy cow. Just imagine when their pitching's healthy. You know, you watch Houston and you go, Houston's Houston. And then you, you, you look at, at the other teams and at the teams in the other league and, you know, the top, top tier teams, and yeah, you got the pitching, but man, the lineup seems to me, the lineup seems to me to be farther away from a contender than, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to think back to what 2017, 2018 was like, but, um, yeah, just but, don't, but, have, a, but this don't time, have a closer either. You no. Know, and this time you don't have the, just wait till Vladdy and Bo get better angle. Cause they've been here for four years now. And yeah, I, it, it's, listen, there, there's, um, ultimately, ultimately all this will be solved by a better product on the field next year. That, the Jays get off to a good start next year, then we're looking back at this and thinking, man, remember what a mess that was, but hey, look how the organization's pulled together and, 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 and all this stuff. But uh, the, the repair work, I think, starts today. And as I said yesterday, I mean, you know how, People know how we feel about Mark Shapiro. I'm a huge fan of his. and uh, I've known Mark for a long time. He, well, his dad, dad was, was your agent. agent. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you, you, I remember, I know his dad from when I was a, a, a beat reporter, and he represented 
lot of the guys in the Montreal Expos. So I've kind of, I, I that's the thing that gives me a little bit of, of confidence here is that I know that this guy gets it. Like I'm absolutely convinced this guy gets it. People in the industry are convinced this guy yeah. gets it. So when in doubt, just spend more money, Jeff. Make everybody happier. Well, Tell so, me that's how it goes, right? Sign Let's spend more money. Sign Shohei Otani, and the <laughs> yeah. only thing we're worried about is how you're going to communicate <laughs> yeah. with the guy in Japanese. Yeah, and that, that's the only better. communication issue. Drop we'll a bunch of money on them. Although that they did dump a lot of money in no, the I, No, I know. If, you, if you look at the first three guys for the Phillies, the Phillies dropped $710 million. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, money. On three dudes. The first three guys in their order. $710 million. So uh, let's get you up to date as to what uh, is going to happen here. We're going to step aside for a minute, and um, we'll come back ahead of the top of the hour. Mark Shapiro is scheduled to speak to the media at 11 a.m. from the Rogers Center. I see the microphone and the... It's on fire! It's on fire! Stop it. I see the microphone and the table <laughs> all set fire. up. Stop it. <laughs> Mark Shapiro will talk to the media. Shy DeVito will help us break it down. It's Blair and Barker. This is Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and Sportsnet. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're just a few minutes away from the end of season media availability. Media availability. Spit yeah, it yeah, out, yeah, Jeff. Yeah. It's yeah. Spit it out, Jeff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. We got We're a few minutes away from the end of season media availability. Hey, baby. With Mark Shapiro, president and CEO of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, this, of course, coming on the heels of Saturday's media availability with uh, Ross Atkins. <laughs> And, um, well, the one guy we haven't heard from throughout this whole thing is John Schneider, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, even though the general manager... I don't know manager, why we didn't. Even though the general manager essentially invited here, everybody here's to give him a call. Here's number. Um, here you go. Maybe okay. that... Maybe... What? <laughs> maybe that speaks volumes. Maybe that speaks volumes. Um, again, this is a regular... Well, look, you're a Toronto sports fan. You know about end-of-season media availabilities, and generally they coincide with the team losing in the playoffs. Yep. So uh, we're all aware of what these things are about. But um, as we spent a large part of the previous half hour saying, there's a, um, there, there is, there's a sense out there. You know, Caleb Joseph used the word fractured. Shai Davidi, who will join us later on, used the word fractured. There's a sense that some relationships, in the very least, need mending uh, in this organization. Um, there is a sense that, um, well, there's, there's, there's a sense, frankly, that trust needs to be rebuilt. Uh, and, um, really Mark Shapiro is, he's the only guy that can do it. And I was talking to someone over the weekend about this. We were chewing over what Ross Atkins and he said, and, and, and the person said to me, you know, really whatever Ross said, everybody's response is going to be, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, what does Mark have to say about it? Mm. So um, that's where we are. Uh, Mark Shapiro is scheduled to address the media at the Rogers Center at the top of the hour. I've got a little monitor here. We can see when he comes up there. Shai Davidi of Sportsnet will join us following that. And then uh, once we've finished breaking down what needs to be broken down, 
uh, we'll turn you over to the hockey guys. Yes. Because the Leafs are already in the playoffs. Are they? Pretty I, much. Well, I think they won. They won last night. Uh, they had, and, and they were just toying with Montreal. Really? Oh, yeah. You could tell. Wow. They, weren't even, they weren't even, they were just mildly interested. Yeah. Huh. They got a new goal song, too, in case you're interested. Uh, it is 10, 50, 9, 30. How about that? <laughs> Down to the second. Down to the second. It's going to be, uh, they're going to be. What's the chances the anything game. happens in this? I, well, I will tell you what, the usual sources uh, have been really quiet. If there's anything newsworthy happening here, nobody's got it. It hasn't leaked out, which makes me think that. Um, Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> well, it makes me think that we are going to hear Mark begin the process of repairing whatever it is he thinks that needs to be repaired. I'm, I'm sure. I, I don't know who this is aimed at. Again, I, I keep thinking this is aimed at the That's players, but question. I mean. Uh, I keep thinking this is aimed at the players, but yeah, the players are probably going to want to hear one-on-one from somebody. I, that's a handful of player, players. I think that's, that's not everybody. I think ultimately you're addressing your your fan base. You're addressing your season ticket holders. Mm-hmm. You no, know, you've got this new renovation or the second stage of the renovation that's going to be completed. Um, you 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 want to <laughs> you want to generate agents. you want to generate well free. There you go. I hadn't even thought of that, but yes, agents. I'm what sure agents. If I'm as an agent, I, I, agents will be who looking am I at this and be going, talking to here, the well, president exactly. or the GM. And if my player talks to the manager and the manager says we're going to use you this way, how certain am I that that is from the top down? And that does happen when you when you court a free agent. Most agents, a lot of players, are going to want to talk to the manager. They're going to okay, what are your plans for me? And you got to know if you're. If you're distilling information from five different teams, most players, one, they're going to go where the, most of the money is, but sure. two, they want, to, they want to know what's up. Like, how am I going to be used? What's the plan? And you know what? If push comes to shove and there's three teams that are really close, you tell me which, if you're a guy who's 30, 31 years old, a free agent in the prime of your career or whatever, what team are you going to pick? I'm going to pick the team where I kind of know that everybody's pulling together. Communication's good. Communication's going to have to be important. Mm. Uh, and and as I said in the last half hour too, um, you know, I, I uh, the thing that I do uh, take some solace in is the fact that uh, um, I do have a lot of I do have a lot of trust and I have a lot of faith in Mark Shapiro. Uh, and I know some people will say, well, you really don't have much choice, but um, yeah, I I, I think point. I think he. Uh, Look, he, he's the guy we all wanted to hear from. I think he's the guy we all wanted to hear from. And I know that sometimes we get carried away with why this news conference was held before this news conference. Of course, we think back to Kyle Dubas and the Maple Leafs and Kyle Dubas's news conference. And then we know how that turned out. And that was my first reaction of what if this is another balls up, right? But I just, I mean, everything I've been led to believe, I've been told about this is that it, um, it, uh, everybody's kind of known what everybody was going to do. So we shall see. Yeah, well, I just, I would like to know why it's okay for you to come out and throw one of your parties right under it instead of we're all in this together. When he speaks, he's speaking for me and the organization. How hard is that? We wouldn't even have to worry about this press conference. I wouldn't have to sit in traffic for three hours to come in here. We'd be doing this and talking about the... What's coming up? And here he comes now. Here he comes. Mark Shapiro, president and CEO of the Toronto Blue Jays. Everyone, thank you. We are going to start out with short opening remarks from Mark, followed by questions. With that, I'll turn it over to Mark. 
Thanks, Andrea. Good morning, everybody. That's glitch, glitch in the renovation. Um, it's it's hard for me to believe that it's only been a little over a week uh, since the end of the season. It uh, certainly been a lot of time and energy spent reflecting, talking, considering. Uh, but where I keep ending up and what I keep thinking about um, is how much we let down the fans. And I understand the frustration. Um, the bitterness is palpable for me uh, and for the other leaders of the organization. Um, they are among the best fans in all of Major League Baseball. Three million of them came to see us here. Millions more watched us uh, night in and night out. Uh, and it's not acceptable, you know, for us to have fallen short of expectations. While we've got a lot of great leaders throughout this organization doing great work, um, anytime any of the efforts of this organization falls short, uh, whether that's something in the renovation on the business side or whether it's anything in the on-field side of the operation, um, when we fall short of expectations, that responsibility and that accountability clearly lies with me. Um, we've got work to do. Um, that work's already underway. It's going to be a painstaking process to dissect everything from this past season, to learn from it, and to lay out a strategy for next offseason. And the ultimate goal maintains the same, you know, which is you know, we are committed to bringing world championships back to Canada. Um, we're going to get better next year and, and move forward. So with that, I'll turn it to questions to you to talk about last year and move backward a little bit before we move forward. We'll start with Keegan. Hi, Mark. Yeah, it's like you don't like that in the middle of my face? <laughs> I tried and it came off. How about if I move it over? <laughs> I, I knew it was like right in my nose, but I... Ah, okay. All right. Mark, uh, a week ago we spoke to Ross about uh, John Schneider, so I'll ask you about Ross. Uh, is he returning as your GM, and how do you evaluate uh, his job this year? Yeah, you know, Ross will be back as GM. Um, I think, first of all, I think in general, uh, in sports organizations, stability and continuity are a competitive advantage. Um, and that's a general statement that doesn't apply unequivocally. Um, but when evaluating, you're not evaluating on a series or even a season. Um, and in Ross's case, the body of work um, to me is in, in undeniable. You know, there's over eight seasons, whether it's the last four having the sixth best record in the American League, whether it's three of the last four years in the postseason, uh, building out great resources, hiring great leadership team that's been successful both internationally and domestically. Um, we need to get better. Ross needs to get better, but he's done a good job and certainly does job and put us in good position next year to be a, a very good team and certainly deserves that opportunity to continue to lead the, the baseball organization. What are some of those areas that uh, the front office, Ross included, can get better that you mentioned? Well, I'm sure we're going to get into that, a lot of that today. I mean, some of that <clears throat> needs, to be, needs to be worked through. You know, clearly um, we hit but didn't score runs. We need to do a better job scoring runs. We need to be better on the base pass. And there needs to be um, a higher level of transparency and communication with our players and our in our planning process and preparation game planning process, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, as we get in the, you know, the decision in those areas. But, but a lot of that, Keegan, is still being determined. I mean, it's not a quick, um, it's a deep dive, you know, into the season. It's a kind of a deep look at each individual player, at 
the collective at our process and that we go through as a staff every day, um, looking for every opportunity to get incrementally better in a number of areas. So I think that'll be something that we um, get to and line out and, you know, in the weeks ahead. Uh, Mark, there were a, a few things that came up this year. Um, Anthony Bass, Alec Manoa, uh, Jose Barrios, where uh, I think the public didn't necessarily buy the initial explanations that were being provided um, by the organization. Mm -hmm. um, how do you move forward as a front office and as an organization when the credibility has kind of been called into question uh, throughout the season? Yeah, Gregor, interesting. Th those are all very different circumstances, and I'm not sure you can tie a common communication strategy or uh, intent behind those. I will say, you know, I I've always felt this one of the most challenging aspects of communicating about players is that you often can't be transparent. You know, you, you don't have the ability to um, honestly say what's behind a circumstance or you'd be undermining that player. You'd be doing damage to that player. and We just can't do that. So we often have to speak in generalities. It's frustrating, you know, because you want more specifics um, and you just can't provide it. You know, I'd like to be able to tell you the clarity. And I, it's funny because I can, I can remember earlier in my career being criticized over not being specific about an issue in a clubhouse and my son telling me, why don't you just tell him that guy's a jerk? You know, he treats people terribly. I'm like, I, I'm never going to be able to do that, Caden. I just can't do that. You know, that's, I'm going to have to take it. That's the reality or be very vague about it. And, you know, that's just, that's the reality. We sometimes cannot be specific about circumstances and, and are going to not be able to give you a satisfactory answer. And again, each of those situations is, is individual and different. Um, with the Brios situation in particular, uh, in the clubhouse after the game, I mean, some players were on the record, some players were off the record. There seemed to be quite a lot of people in that clubhouse who were either upset, confused, didn't understand. Um, do you guys need to, to repair relationships with some of the players in the clubhouse, or what, what's that process going to look like in the weeks and months ahead? Yeah, I think the relationships in general are pretty strong, but but what has been clear in talking to Ross over the last week and in him kind of you know, doing some reflection, talking to a lot of our players is that we had probably made some assumption that there was a clarity to the people, um, to the planning and preparation that goes into our games, not just for that game, Gregor, but for every single one of our games. In fact, I was in Schneid's office uh, the day after we got eliminated when we flew home with Don Mattingly with Schneid's and with Ross. And, and Don Mattingly said he was kind of miffed at you know, the reaction to, to the game planning um, and the preparation. He said, our planning and preparation was identical for that game as it was for the 162 games during the season. The process wasn't any different. Um, but I think that what has come to light is both from the information and the planning, by the way, which is, is, was, a, was designed by and that led by John Schneider, um, but we have to be more clear with our players, more transparent, do a better job of communicating um, what that process is. And, and then most importantly, that there's a line of demarcation when it comes into the game that the decisions lie with our staff and with John. Um, further uh, on the subject of Ross Atkins, you mentioned his body of work. Um, how about addressing his body of mistakes and how many mistakes is the GM entitled to before he has to pay the consequences? Yeah, we all make mistakes. No leader is expected to be perfect here, whether, you know, no matter who. I want people to feel like they've got the freedom to make mistakes and to, as long as they learn from those mistakes. Um, I think 
mistakes are an opportunity to grow, to learn, to develop, and to get better uh, for all of us in life. Um, I'm not sure contextually, you know, what you're asking. I think if you look at, again, the results are pretty darn good um, over that eight-year period. Certainly turning around, you know, a team that from 16 to 20 in three years is pretty impressive. That's a quick turnaround for a major league team. Uh, and again, the success three out of four years in the playoffs is, is good. We need to get better, not satisfied with where we are. Ross isn't satisfied with where we are, but we need to get better. Uh, I got specifically some of, specifically the trades he's made uh, going into this year. I'm, I mean, I'm sure you're watching uh, Marino in the postseason, for example. Watching? Gabe. Marine. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, over the season, I still feel like that was a good trade. And you can't, you can't evaluate a trade you know, in the short term, you've got to give it four or five years to understand, you know, what a trade, whether a trade was effective or not. But I would say this, that I look at, you can be specific about the decisions made for the, and the players acquired just on last year's team alone, whether it was Kiermaier, Belt, uh, Chris Bassett, um, you know, the, the guys that, that he has put together, that can t in the context of people signing free agents and trading for players, um, you know, I would, I would argue that the players we added to last year's team were, you know, he did a very good job doing. So every single GM makes mistakes, again, to criticize without context of saying, I'm going to go and look at all 30 GMs and all the series of decisions they made. Um, there, there is no GM that's perfect in decision making. You know, that's just the reality of making decisions about human beings. And you know, look at the portfolio work. Um, and again, I think uh, the results show that he, he's done a good job. Rob? Hey, Rob. Hey, Mark. Uh, you alluded to the uh, sort of the concerns about the offense. Um, w when you look at improving the run scoring, I is it something that's more personnel uh, related or is it uh, philosophical? Yeah, that's, I think that's what the next few weeks need to, un you need to uncover and need to determine. Um, watching it, you know, you can talk about approach, you know, you can talk about in game. Uh, execution, or you can talk about players. Certainly, there were players that fell short. That was probably one of the, you know, biggest uh, led to one of the biggest challenges of you know, watching us night in and night out, which you did. That we had three or four players that fell significantly short of what we projected, and that's what made it, you know, made the year among the many things that made it frustrating. That was what was frustrating. So, uh, but we need to take a deeper dive. It's not just my opinion. You know, again, that's not my area that I'm I'm dealing with day to day, and see what the um, see what the work tells us, and then build a strategy off of that. And I think that, that'll be for Ross to talk about in the next couple months. Um, recognizing that any time a team is eliminated, there's going to be a crush of disappointment. Um, but there seemed to be a fair bit of anger and frustration from, from the players themselves. Is there any need for, for fence mending to sort of um, help, help them get through that? I don't think there's a, I think it really was regarding one area, and that's our, our game planning and preparation, and it's not an underlying problem. I think that um, whether it's Matt Chapman's comments or Chris Bassett's comments or Kevin Kiermeyer's comments about how much they feel cared for and taken care of and what we've done in the environment here, overwhelmingly the players feel like they're being given you know, the, among the best environments, environments in baseball and that they, they recognize how much we care about them. Um, I said, like I said earlier, I think we do need to do a better job of being transparent, communicate more effectively and explain, you know, the process and in, in our game planning specifically. Steve? Mark, uh, 
in about the 30-some years I've been around the ball club, I've never seen as much anger and disappointment among fans and as much frustration among fans that, that I've seen this year. And it was far before the playoff series started. It seemed to just culminate with that Minnesota second game. You're sitting with Ross in the stands. Ross sat in that chair and said he did not know that Berrios was coming out. I don't believe that for a second. What, what did you think when you saw Berrios coming out? What was, what's the first part of the question? And what's the, what was the first part just your statement? Yes. Okay. Just, just pre you prefacing what yeah. I, I presume everybody in this room has received no, the same the kind of emails part, that I've received. Yeah, no, the first part, I would say, you know, this season was a grind. You know, it, it did not, it was not ever easy. Um, it was extremely frustrating and it was challenging. I'm not sure why. We still won 89 games. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, I guess like you, Steve, I've been in the game 32 years. <laughs> And I can't remember a season that was felt like it was more of an effort. Now, I take away a little bit of a positive from that because there were six or seven other teams that had high expectations and high payrolls that didn't even make the postseason, that didn't win 89 games. You know, some of the biggest markets in all of North America that went home. And our guys, our players, and our staff found a way to persevere. So I find some positive, you know, within that. Uh, but it was tough. It was frustrating. Um, so that's that's you know, a comment on your statement, and then an answer to your question. Um, I found that I mean I knew the game plan. I knew a possible. I knew the the purpose behind it. I was aware of it, and knew that the goal was to bring Kikuchi in to turn over the lineup and get, um, you know, their, you know, to get some of their left-handed hitters out of the lineup for better matchups later in the game, which actually worked. But I didn't know when it would happen, so I found out at the same moment in time when John walked to the mound. Mark, you talked about uh, responsibility to the fans. And with the new inventory, uh, with the renovations, is there a responsibility to put a 90-plus win team on the field every year? And, and can fans be assured that that's the goal moving forward? I mean, I'm, I'm hesitant to give numbers. You know, the goal is to get better. So I guess better than 89 is certainly, you know, 90 or better. The goal is to play deeper into October. I think at one point playing meaningful games in September was probably enough. That's not enough anymore. You know, we need to get deeper into October for sure. And the, ultimately, we're never going to be satisfied till we win the last game played, you know, in a major league season. Um, but to set specific number of win goals, I don't think anybody in baseball does that, uh, Griff. You know, and it's not something I'm going to fall into a trap. I just do think we need to be better, which I guess that puts us in the 90 wins. But does that mean then that uh, you will, in the short term, never go into a rebuild mode? I don't, I mean, this, the situation will dictate that. I know we're not going into a rebuild mode next year. Scott? Mark, you've kind of touched on it a number of times, but um, a lot of down seasons at the same time by key guys, Springer, Vladdy, um, Kirk. I guess, how do you view that and kind of where do you assign that blame? Is it just individual players? Is it an approach thing? How, how do you view yeah. that? Uh, Scott, that's the work we're, we're going through. We tried you know, tirelessly to figure it out during the season last year. And, um, more, and, and I don't think it is uh, there is anything that kind of um, I, I would – early offer that I don't think it's something that applies uniformly to the same thing. Individuals have different reasons 
uh, for having you know the, the seasons they've had. But but I don't want to comment on that specifically today for two reasons. One, that's more micro than I should probably comment on. That probably Ross should comment on the specific players. Uh, and two, that work's just begun in the past five six days. Um, and it's going to be exhaustive and deep and a deep dive. And so at some point that will form, you know, our plans for the off season and for next year. I think it'll be something Ross talks about at the GM's meetings or the, the winter meetings in specific, specifically. Caitlin. Hi, Caitlin. Um, just following up a little bit on Scott's question, in terms of like the power, there was um, sort of not as much power we thought we would get from this team. Yeah. Your take on that, and also if the dimensions here had an, any impact on that. Yeah, I think it's it. It certainly feels like it did, but it, it's illogical, you know, to assume that. So I think drawing any um, defined ballpark factor after one season is probably too soon. We need to probably go through two or three seasons before we can make a definitive statement that this is how the park played. Um, it's too one season can be too impacted by personnel or you know other things that go into it. So I want to wait before we determine you know what the ultimate impact of the ballpark changes are. Certainly not what we sat in this room and thought they were going to be when we talked at the end of the off season last year. Um, we were decreeing it to be a you know a bandbox and a hitter's ballpark. So you never know, I guess, until you until you play. Um, I, the only thing I'd say about power is, you know, there are multiple ways to score. I don't want to pin that just to power. We need to score more. That's the fact. You know, we hit, but we didn't score. It was an odd dynamic, and I think that's when Ross referred to, you know, he kept thinking that it would change. That's because logically, statistically, you know, the, the, if you're impacting the baseball hard, if you're getting hits, you know, sooner or later you think you will score. That's what the game kind of tells you historically, but it didn't happen. So we need to spend the time to, to figure out why. Why didn't that happen? Is there something that we need to think about doing differently, either in our, you know, in our, our game preparation individually with the players? Are there, is there something personnel-wise? Those are the questions that will need to be addressed, you know, over the coming weeks. And just like on the back to the Brios and stuff and related to Ross's um, comments last week, do you think that he should have owned the decision more as an organizational one? Because I think from our perspective and the fans' perspective, it felt like he kind of put the onus on Schneider a little bit. Yeah. And I just wondered, like, does that create awkwardness between them two? Or can you... I know there's no awkwardness between the two because I've been involved in enough conversations with him over the last couple of days. Um, yeah, I think Ross, Ross was giving a, an in-depth, you know, window into the process and then, you know, also clarifying that there's a clear line of demarcation when it comes to in-game decision making. So, but I would say this, when it comes to like accountability and it comes to, you know, results and outcomes that are disappointing. Um, a, we're not ever looking to assign blame, just like we're not looking to have take credit for an something that's individually successful. It's not one person. If the renovation is a, a smashing success, no matter how great Marnie Starkman and Anouk Karun Rotten they are, you know they're not going to be running around patting themselves on the back and high fiving at you know doing an incredible job at the outfield district this past year. It was dozens of people, hundreds of people who were involved in helping us pull that off and, and have a resounding success in the outfield district. And um, when something goes wrong, um, accountability lies at the top. It lies with me, responsibility. But we all, we're not looking to say that, you know, John Schneider made a mistake or Ross made a mistake or who made the mistake. We made a mistake. 
you know, it didn't work, and we'll need to learn and get better from it, but, you know, we need to be okay making mistakes. I'm more than confident in John Schneider's ability to manage a Major League Baseball game, and as I replied to Rosie, I'm more than confident in Ross's ability to run a baseball operation. Now, that doesn't mean we don't need to get better. It doesn't mean we didn't make mistakes. Shai? Mark, you mentioned uh, the planning and preparation as a, as a key piece. Uh, I've heard questions around this from people in the organization for back to Charlie's days. Um, so it's not just sort of a, a current problem, even if John designed the current system. What have, what's your sense of how deep-rooted these issues are? And what is your, based on your career in baseball, what's your perception of how that should work effectively? What elements need to be in place for that to work effectively? Yeah, my, my understanding is, um, again, this is based on five or six days of kind of learning some things that we were probably not aware of and should have been aware of, um, is that we need to be more open, we need to be more transparent about who the people are that are in the room, what the purpose for them being in the room is, and the information that is provided to our staff and John before each game. Um, I, like I said to you, the information that he gets, the information that Pete gets, uh, is directly what John's asked for. And the voices and the people, you know, have, have been asked multiple times, do you, are you sure you want, these are the people I want to hear it from. So, uh, but I do think that there is, it's a reality of the world that we live in. It's extremely tough um, for people to understand, you know, what that information is, how that affects decisions. And there's still a human element that will always come down. It's the beauty of the game um, to executing on that information. And that's where you balance your experience you know, your gut, um, your feelings with the information, but you need to be informed and you need to have, you know, all of the data before you make a decision. So you want to make a, you know, an informed decision that factors in your personal experiences as well, uh, but you want to have all the information. That's what, you know, we have sought to provide our staff, um, but it's ultimately their responsibility to deploy that in a game. What element does player feedback play into that? And is that a potential blind spot that you might have identified that player input or player reaction maybe wasn't considered enough within this process? I'm not sure player input or feedback into, you know, it's more just ensuring they understand and know the information being used and how it's used. Mike? Hey, Mike. Hey, Mark. Um, Speaking to the, you know, what Steve was talking about and, and some others about the fan frustration and, and upset with, with this year, I know you drew three million, but were you surprised by the September attendance numbers for the Texas series and for, uh, as, as the month progressed, that, that they were lower than expected for a team in a pennant race? I mean, I think I was, the, it, it was across all of baseball. It wasn't just with us. You know, if you go and look, all the attendance numbers were, were down uh, after you know, kids went back to school, but I think what we're dealing with, and we still have to unpack, this is a little bit anecdotal, um, is that we had an issue in weekday games all year long. So even, I mean, again, it was muted during the season because you're talking about going down from 42,000 to 38,000. And, you know, those midweek games may be down from 36 to 28 or, you know, 29, still great compared to some of the markets that were in playoff stretches that had less than that. Um, but we still are dealing with some reality of the, the downtown dynamic shifting 
Um, not every office is still back to work in person. Some are in a hybrid. Um, some are just working from home. It hasn't impacted, A, the people watching and paying attention. Um, it has not impacted people coming on weekends, so they're clearly making plans and coming in on weekends, but there is some dynamic, Mike, that we're fighting to understand and, and working to, to try to um, you know, solve if possible that has to do with midweek games. And that Texas series was obviously on Monday through Thursday. And, and also going you know, back 20, 25 years to your early days in Cleveland, you've had uh, situations where you have had the fans very upset with you and, and um, <laughs> you know, in, in making unpopular moves. But how do you win back uh, a group that, you know, for a team that's been in the playoffs three out of four years seems pretty, uh, pretty angry right now? Yeah. I mean, I'm not interested in, in winning over anyone to me or, you know, to Ross. I just want you know, to do what makes the fans happy, which is win, you know, and ultimately win a world championship. So it's not about me. It never has been. Um, it's about our team uh, and about our players and about our ability to, to win, uh, bring a world championship to Canada. I think that, will, that is ultimately what will make them happy. Ben? Hey, Mark. Um, what is your level of confidence in the hitting systems and people, coaches uh, that you have in place? I mean, I'm confident in the work being done. I'm confident in um, the energy and effort expanded, but I'd like to get you know, the, the feedback uh, and the analysis from our baseball operations group who's doing the, who's spending the time you know, rather than r rely on my own. I mean, I have, the one thing I know is that uh, when someone is not intricately involved in the day-to-day, -day, which I'm not, you know, it can be damaging and dangerous for me to intermittently get involved. So I'll wait to read everything that they produce at the end of the season, which will be an in-depth analysis of both, you know, the work and the process as well as the outcomes and the results, uh, and along with the recommendations for a, an off-season plan. And then I'll, you know, give you my input or give them my input and let Ross comment on it. But um, I am very careful not to just react to my own emotional reactions of watching. And I'll ask questions. I stay engaged, stay involved, try to be a resource. But the most dangerous thing is to kind of get intermittently involved with impacting those areas. Um, and I guess a bit bigger picture, uh, what's the payroll status moving forward? Can it increase? Can it hold steady uh, for 24? Yeah. I, I th those are the conversations I'm having right now with ownership. You know, I expect to get that solidified in the next couple weeks. Um, as always, I'm not going to, you know, comment and give you an exact number. But I do think it's important to say, even in the preliminary conversations, I don't expect a dramatic philosophical shift in payroll next year. You know, I expect us to stay in the same area and, you know, that we can, we can support that uh, for now. Greg? Hey, Mark. Hey, Greg. I wanted to ask you about the Anthony Bass situation in early June and whether you were satisfied with how the organization handled that at the end of the day. And did you consider speaking out when that news first broke? Yes, I'm satisfied, and that's all I can say about that for now. Also wanted to ask you about your team's radio broadcast. You're one of two teams in Major League Baseball that doesn't have on-site uh, radio broadcasts for road games. Why is that happening, and would you like to see that uh, change in 2024? Yeah, it's not in my decision-making. Uh, that's not within the portfolio of my decision-making, and I don't have any input into that and wouldn't want to conjecture about someone else's job because I enough people are doing that for me and my job. So, Ian? 
Russ, uh, excuse me, Mark. Russ, in, in, Russ or Mark. I know. <laughs> Forgive me. In your answer just the next Caitlin, body in the chair, man. I was, um, <laughs> when I came here Saturday, I was expecting John because I'm so used to him. <laughs> That's okay. Um, in your answer to Caitlin a minute ago, you, you acknowledged making a mistake. I just wanted to clarify, are you referring specifically to the Brios decision when you said that, or was that... Uh, more, more well, there have been statement. many mistakes, so okay, I'm not... Yeah, there was one where you said specifically, I think, we made a mistake. So uh, are you, do you consider that decision in retrospect to be... I actually don't. I mean, I think that, that, you know, it didn't work as perfectly as it could have. Two ground balls, you know, that a lot of, you know, could have, you know, plays could have been made, but they just a couple inches here or there. Um, if you had said to me, we're going to score two runs, I uh, hold the Twins to two runs in that game before the game, didn't say anything the way it transpired, but said we're going to hold them the two runs. I would have thought we were going to win the game. So it's not why we lost. You know, we lost because we didn't hit, because we made a base running mistake. You know, those are the reasons we lost. So um. you've, you've, referred, you've referred a couple of times to that line of demarcation, sort of presumably between like the front office and the manager's seat. I wonder, presumably, you feel quite strongly and, and good about the information, the sort of statistical information your front office generates. Why is that line of demarcation so important? I mean, it's not necessarily important, and it's probably just a general leadership, you know, tenet, right? Like the the we've talked a lot about collaboration. You know, that we are want we want to pool all of the experiences, all of the intellect, all of the information, all of the perspectives to get you know the best possible planning and preparation possible. But whether it's anyone in this organization, leaders have to be empowered to make a decision in the moment. They can't wait for somebody else to come in and tell them what to do. That probably applies, you know, more materially within a game than any other, you know, moment in time. However, it's, it's throughout the organization. So to me, it's just a general leadership premise, you know, hey, don't rely on your own opinion only. Get all the information. You know, tap in every resource. You know, our job is to relentlessly look for the best resources out there that we can possibly provide. Uh, but when it comes to a game, you know, there's no, I've never seen a front office pick up a phone and call down and make a pitching change or, you know, make a substitution within the game. Like that person needs to have the strength and, you know, power and confidence to make those decisions, which John does. And so that, that's the line I was talking about. Gregor? Hey, Mark. Um, just a quick follow-up on, on payroll. Um, you guys were a, a CBT luxury pack tax-paying team for the first time in franchise history this mm -hmm. year. The penalties kind of go up the longer you stay in that territory. Um, are you guys comfortable maintaining that level, or, or do you need to kind of get under that line either next yeah, year? Yeah, I think, th if anything, to take away from last year, and again, I haven't had those precise conversations, but is that that will not influence the decision. What will influence it is where we are competitively and where our revenues are. Uh, and then quickly, uh, with time flies, I mean, uh, with Vladimir Guerrero and Bo Bichette, you, you guys are now down to, to just two years of, of club control left. How much of a priority is it to try and start locking up some of your young, younger players so that your window of opportunity can be extended a bit? Yeah, I think the priority is to just sustain the opportunity to win. Um, and as it pertains to the, where, where individuals uh, fit into that, I'll leave that for Ross to discuss. But you know, we've, got to, we've got to do everything humanly possible to keep that window open. Final question to Keegan. Uh, Mark, just uh, quickly on, on John Schneider again and his development within his job. Um, what do you think that growth looks like in the coming years? And, and uh, from your experience, what is that jump that a manager takes in those first five years to being a great manager? Wow, that's a great, that is a great question. Um, 
I see so many positives within him as a foundation. You know, the fact that he is obviously smart, has honed his skills in the minor leagues, you know, which doesn't simulate the accountability and the challenges of managing in a high-pressure major league environment. But I guess what I'd just say, Keegan, is that ultimately we all get better with reps, you know, and um, going through the cycle, you know, going through the situation, sitting in this room, sitting at this table, um, considering the personalities and people within a major league clubhouse and, you know, understanding the dynamics there, you know, the insecurities, the anxieties, you know, that, that come with being a major league player, you know, the pressures that come with that. Um, he's aware of all those things, but the depth of experiences, the number of uh, situations and circumstances that he manages, it's probably the most appropriate job title, you know, on the planet, are just going to continue to get better. And because he is so committed to learning, which he is, um, he'll get better. And so I just think experience will make him better. Um, where, where the threshold and the tipping point is that he'll be a finished product, I'd like to think no one's a finished product. You know, I'd like to think as long as he's doing it, he'll get better. I, I look at myself and I, you know, always tell my kids the only thing I'm sure of now is that I'm less sure now, you know, of everything, you know, than I was before. So I think you need to continue to question to, to ensure you don't have it all figured out. You don't think you have it all figured out. The day you do, you know, you stop learning and stop getting better. It's a dangerous place to be. That wraps up today's media conference. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thank you. All right. That was Mark Shapiro, president and CEO of the Toronto Blue Jays, addressing the media. Kevin, my first reaction was if Mark Shapiro had spoken Saturday before Ross Atkins, the last four days would have been different. Yeah, you nailed that. Like it's it's three days, whatever. It is. Yeah, it would uh, it would not have flamed a fan base to basically want Ross fired if you would have had the president come out and speak the way he just spoke to you know, a fan base that wants to hear it the way it's supposed to be heard. And knowing now the way the conversation was that he knew the plan, the president of the baseball team knew that they were trying to get you say in the game to get rid of the lefties, to put the righties in because now they don't have a closer and it's best for the high leverage right-handed throwers to get him in. It was just up to John to get them turned around in the right spot, and maybe John didn't do that. So there's some clarity there. It like, absolutely there was no finger pointing. There was a conversation, and now the explanation, at least for me, is a little bit better. Is it what I what I would have done? Probably not. But he he's got a better feel for his organization and what's going on, and and you know he says the relationship between the two is good. We have to take his word for it. Yeah, I'm listen. I'm sure that they uh, both. Uh, Ross and, and, well, I know both Ross and John. I know they've, they've spoken to each other in the past couple of days. They, I mean, it stands to reason that, that Mark would be involved in that. Look, Mark, Mark's a sharp guy. I, I think what you heard, what you heard is what I needed to hear. I didn't expect anybody was going to be fired because I don't think that's necessarily how Mark goes about his business. I do believe him when he says stability is a competitive advantage. What I needed to hear is that they were going to do a deep dive into their offensive game plan. Yeah. He said that. He talked about he realizes that they need a higher level of transparency with players in terms of communication. That's what we were led to believe from several conversations with players. And as Shai pointed out, not just this year. This goes back to last year. So those are the things I needed to hear. I don't know. That's me. I don't know if it will be enough to... uh, keep the fan base happy. I think ultimately the fan base will be happy 
if the Jays go out and make the team better this year. Yeah. So I like the fact that Mark uh, took responsibility. I like the fact that he understands that the the importance of transparency. Mm-hmm. And what I really took away from this, I think he understands that the transparency has to start with him. And maybe, I'm just saying this, I don't know, but maybe Mark, now that the refurbishing of the stadium is almost complete, maybe now he will pay, and I'm not criticizing him for this, but he went out of his way to say that there's only so much he's involved in the day-to-day operations of the team. Maybe we'll see a more hands-on approach from Mark Shapiro right now, because I think it's, it's pretty clear that he understands they haven't done a good job. The of marketplace. Yeah, they haven't done a good job of that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's going to have to. If they want to go where they want to go, he has to be the one that solidifies that and gets the communication to where right. it needs to be, which is the players. The, the most, I, I mean, the phrase that he used a couple of times, the line of demarcation in the game. In other words, where does the in-game decision, where does the buck stop with the in-game decision making? He was pretty clear that John Schneider that there needs to be more clarity in terms of what John Schneider is dealing with, what information he's dealing with. And I think maybe what yeah. he's done here, maybe what uh, he said to the players is, look, uh, the manager's the guy. No, the, what I what I took from that is I don't want my manager, even if he is a young man, to not be afraid to say no in game yeah. to a decision that we've all know is supposed to be coming. Yeah. And what's best for the team and best for the pen and best for us because we're not scoring any runs. I think that's for me anyway, what I took from that. Because the last couple of years make you scratch your head on when the move was made and the communication. And is John actually okay enough, secure enough in his job oh, that's a great point. to be able to go? I know what the plan was. I know what the khakis are telling me. But do you see what I see? That, I think, for me anyway, is what I took from what I heard from Mark. Yeah. And that communication factor needs to be better. There's some mending needs to be done. Again, it's not every player, but the players that matter on that team, and I've talked to them. I've stood right in front of them. They said exactly what Mark just said to me. How do you fix it? I think this is just me. You fix it with better players. Quite frankly, every day, guys, they just don't have good enough ones. I mean, you can spin it and say process and projections any way you want to spin it. Quite frankly, they just don't match up to the high-end offenses in baseball, and that needs to get better. And the only way for me that gets better is you got to pay them. Yeah, and and we, uh, you know, we did hear from from Mark as well that he certainly doesn't expect any any dramatic decrease uh, in payroll, which frankly doesn't come as 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 much of a as much of a surprise to me as it might as it might to some people. I mean, I've never, I've always been led to believe that 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 really hasn't been an issue here in recent years. It's what are you spending the money on? That makes sense. Go spend it. And that seems to be the, uh, that seems to be the approach. Um, interesting comment from Mark about, I can't remember a season that felt m- more like an effort than this one. That's exactly how I think a lot of us felt like it. I don't know about you. Yeah. It seemed as if they lost, it seemed as if they lost a hundred games this year. Okay, it just it. seemed to be, like, uh, just a turgid um, yeah, it's easy march me. to the end. That's easy for me. When spring training, when I was down there talking to you, and we were going through what it took, and the thing was, if you can get the back end of the rotation to match what the lineup 
consistently will do, then they got a chance of going where they want to go. And then the line, the lineup all season doesn't show up. And then everybody starts, starts to feel like Mark was saying in that press conference that, you know, basically didn't feel like they won 89 games. They mm. lost, you know, 120 games. So, yeah, I think when your best part of your baseball team is not being the best part. Uh, Shai Davidi is Sportsnet's MLB insider. He is down at the Rogers Center. He joins us. Shai, thanks so much for joining us today, man. Look, I just made the point to uh, to Kevin. I wish Mark had done this on Saturday, and I would have had a much, much more comfortable Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, I mean, that was basically how it's done. <laughs> That's and right. I, I think the, the piece that really stuck out from Saturday, uh, at least to me, was that not once did Ross Atkins use the word accountability and everything seemed to be dumped on John Schneider's shoulders and that was different today which I think is important there's acknowledgement that there are problems a lot of the problems that we've been talking about uh, and in some ways that a lot of people have been denying existed but now they seem to be acknowledged so I think that's important there maybe that potentially a springboard to some progress here Shai, do you think that John is comfortable enough in his job to say no in game in one of the biggest games of the season? Well, if he wasn't before, then he absolutely has to be now. Yep. And uh, we're not privy to the conversations that they've had, but Ross Atkins has to make it 100% clear. You make the decisions and I've got your back. And that's how a functional GM manager relationship works. And if they're going to make this work just to a, to a better successful, or be, excuse me, better success at this point, that's what has to exist. And there's room for questioning. There's room for debate. You have to be able to defend decisions both ways. But that's my takeaway from one of them from today is that Mark Shapiro is making it clear that that's the way it should be. That's something the organization is talking about. The organization has acknowledged that there are some problems in this process, and they're going to try to figure it out. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, you know, Mark Shapiro made it pretty clear as well that they are going to do a deep dive into into their offensive issues. You know, the I, I liked his line about you know it was making contact and and a lot of good stuff, but it wasn't it wasn't translating into runs. I mean, it seems to me, it it seems pretty clear to me that there ought to be some sort of change on the coaching staff in that area. And I, I think, in the very least, just parsing Mark's words, you really do get the sense that they are going to take a deeper look at this. And one thing we know about this organization, shy for better or worse, when they say they, when they say they're going to take a deep dive, they take a deep dive. Yeah, and unfortunately, from their perspective, they have the time to do it because they're not playing. (laughs) So they they absolutely have to devote all their resources to this to make sure that they're ready to go when free agency begins because they've got a lot of decisions to make. They've got a lot of spots in the lineup that they have to replace. And people are going to be asking because players talk, agents talk, executives talk. And when the Blue Jays are meeting with teams and players uh, and the agents, this is going to come up. So they better have some answers by then. Shy, if John's coming back, do you think it would be better off for John to have a better 
more experienced, more capable bench coach? I mean, Don Mattingly is pretty experienced and capable. I think that one of the things that could potentially benefit is another hitter with a significant pedigree, or sorry, former hitter with significant pedigree that's played in the major leagues that's on the coaching staff that that the players can go to. You know, Don Mattingly certainly has that, but as bench coach, there's only so much that he can do over the course of a day. And, you know, I know towards the end of the season, he was working with Dalton Varshaw, and that certainly speaks to maybe uh, the potential that he has or that, or someone with that pedigree could play on this staff. So I, I think there's absolutely room for that in some way, shape, or form. Uh, it doesn't mean that uh, Don Mattingly isn't the piece, uh, a piece of this puzzle in his current role. And I think all that stuff's going to be assessed because there are lots of opportunities for there to be a bit more experience in different ways. You know, one thought I've, I've had presented to me is that uh, – they don't have anyone on the coaching staff who has big league catching experience and how that could potentially help Alejandro Kirk or Danny Jansen game calling at different points in time. So I think there are a lot of things that this, this organization has to examine and different little uh, levers that they can try to pull to get more out of the roster next year. Mm-hmm. Shy, we really appreciate you joining us. Yep. Thanks so much. I know it's a hectic day for you. Uh, be well, my friend, and uh, we'll be chatting. Thanks, buddy. Be well, guys. See ya. Shai Davidi, Sportsnet's MLB insider. Yep. We certainly do appreciate him joining. And thanks to all the folks who made that technologically. That was good stuff. Technically, I, technologically I, possible is what I'm trying to say. I, I just wonder where Don's at. During all that process of when, you, knowing when it's happening, knowing that this is the goal, right, is to flip the righties or get righties in the lineup, what, why do they think that's the best time, right? Why, if you're gung-ho about this not happening and this doesn't make any sense and you got all this experience and you've been there and done it before and John sort of, you know, is in between, we could see it. Me and you, when we were yeah. watching, arms crossed and the faces getting red and do I really want to do this? I know what I want to do and when I want to do it and how I'm trying to do it. And you need sort of that guy to either talk you out of it and say, you know, take a step back and let it sort of fall in place and happen the way it happens. I just wonder about that. Like, is, is, is Donnie Baseball the right guy is my question. Well, my understanding is, is John Schneider's handpicked guy, was he not? I guess. I mean, that's the way it makes it sound. But, but if, if you're watching the same game that we were watching and you're Donnie Baseball, you wouldn't just sort of stand in front of John and go, hey, I know what the plan was, but you see what I see? Well, we also saw, don't forget, the... Um, uh, the ill-fated walking out to make the uh, pitching change or walking out to have a conversation with Alec Manoa and being forced into making a pitching change because it was uh, the second visit to the mound. I, you know, that, that look, I mean, we're, we're rehashing old stuff, yeah. but from where I come from, from what I, I've been led to believe, from the bench coaches I've talked to, mm-hmm. uh, that's one of, the, uh, one of the bench coaches' idea. It's just the same thing in basketball. You've got a guy who says, hey, man, hey, man. You've used your time out. You've got a guy who is the, responsible the for The reason that. why I say that, if John is a, I, afraid might be the wrong word, but is a little timid to w- make the move that he really wants to make, yeah. you would think that veteran bench coach will go, you know what, Anyhow. we're going to make it together. 
That's bottom line is nobody's lost their job as of today, uh, which, you know, I, I think we, we kind of, I would say we probably knew that. We certainly received signals going in that that was going to be the case. Um, the Jays are going to do a deep dive into their offensive issues. And Mark Shapiro certainly suggested that it, that goes beyond getting better players, although he did, he did say that there were three or four players that uh, didn't perform the way the organization uh, thought they would. But uh, Ross Atkins is clearly the general manager of this team going forward. Uh, John Schneider is clearly the manager going forward. Ultimately, you know, we can sit here and talk and Ross can say things and Mark can say things. Ultimately, we need to hear from the players as to what bridges need to be prepared, uh, need to be repaired and whether or not they are repaired. But as I've said, if this, if this had been done on Saturday or if, if this was the first point of contact between the Blue Jays and their fan base and the media. Mm-hmm. Folks would feel a lot different than they did the past three days. I'm no not saying question. that it's going to smooth everything over. It would have helped. That's not the case. But it certainly would have uh, lowered the temperature, I guess is what I would say. It would have lowered the temperature and the dialogue around this team. And now we go into the po- uh, into the, in, into the into the off season, and um, we're led to believe payroll is going to be the same. Uh, it's up to Ross Atkins to uh, to put a better team in the field. Uh, I, I I can't put it any I can't put it any other way. It's up to Ross Atkins to put a better team in the field. As we said some of the change is going to happen organically. There are guys that are going to be gone, but um, you know Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, one of them had a really good year. One of them had a year, and the other one just kind of had a year. And uh, they have to be the one shouldering the load next year. But let's be clear. You, you I mean, you borrow my friend, Mr. Barker's line here. They, they, need, they need at least one more impactful bat in the middle of that order. And, yes, I do think that they need to do a deep, a deep dive into, into their hitting philosophy and, and the transparency. You know, I, that transparency, I mean, I'm keeping track of the number of times transparency uh, was mentioned it's pretty clear that Mark understands now that that the players need to have a better idea as to how decisions are made. And um, it's okay to simplify it. It really is just to to walk up and go. If you don't like velocity, look for something else. Yeah, simple. And I think Shy Shy hit the nail on the head as well. It is incumbent on this organization to. And this is an old guy talking about and hammering in analytics. It's incumbent in this organization to get some dudes in with a major league pedigree in that dugout so that they can talk to guys about things that need to be talked about. Boom. All right. That is it for us. Jeff Merrick will take over on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. And Sportsnet will be back from 11 to noon Eastern tomorrow on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Have a great day.